Stress is huge. And we just live in this like busy, fast paced lifestyle. It's like hustle culture. It's like cool to be stressed out all the time. It's not cool. And your hormones don't love it. Your boss might love it, but your hormones don't. So take an honest, transparent look at what your stress levels are, are looking like and, and prioritize that because that can make or break, you know, what's going on with whatever weight loss or fitness goals that you have or hormone balance, you know, whatever you're working on. The big question is this. In a world of fake Instagram models and bad diets, how do real people achieve their fitness goals? We are an army of hardworking women changing their lives through fitness and health. Wherever you are at on your journey, we have the answers to how to make working out and eating well a part of your life. Join us in changing the dialogue for women everywhere. Welcome to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Rachel. Guys, we are so excited. This is the episode we've been wanting to bring you. We have Corey Ruth, who is going to answer all of your hormonal women questions, questions about PCOS, which I just learned today, you say PCOS. And this is the hormonal episode that we have been wanting to bring you guys for so long. So I want to start by just welcoming Corey onto the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Ooh, yes. What an intro. I love it. I'm very happy to be here. And let's let's dive in. There's so much to explore around this area, and I'm so happy to share. For sure. We're going to dive right in and let it tell our listeners about your personal journey with hormone health and how it led you down the path of helping and educating other women. Sure. So I, back in high school, when we got the very, very minimal amount of sex education that we got, I was always very curious about the whole, everyone gets a period every 28 days, right? And we ovulate on day 14 and, you know, you should expect your period every month. And I was always like, okay, where, where is mine? (laughs) What's going on? Because it would just be totally random, right? It wouldn't come every 28 days. I had no idea when it would show up. And I didn't know why. I thought there was something really wrong with me. And I carried that with me for a long time until I started to learn a little bit about what's called PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovary or ovarian syndrome. And it's pretty common. They estimate 10% of women have this condition and it's the leading cause of infertility. So anywho, fast forward, I became a registered dietitian. And throughout my grad school years, I was just really fascinated by women's health. I love learning about endocrinology. I love learning about hormone balance and periods and all kinds of issues, you know, within that PCOS, endometriosis, um, infertility. So I kind of made that my area of focus. And after I graduated, I worked all these different jobs and I I really wasn't into a lot of them. And I decided to work for um, a women's clinic and I learned a ton. I worked alongside some really talented, very intelligent OBGYNs and I was able to learn a lot about women's health. So I kind of, you know, it's kind of the, the perfect combination of um, my background as a dietitian and my experience there and my own personal experience and journey with PCOS and just being always endlessly fascinated with hormone health. So when I first opened my doors to my private practice, I said, okay, the one thing that I'm never going to, never going to work in is PCOS. 
too complex, too complicated. It's, I don't want to touch that with a 30 foot pole. But then as time went by, I realized, you know, there's such a huge connection between nutrition and our hormones. I'm kind of a perfect person because not only am I a dietitian and not only do I have PCOS, this is an area that I have experience in. So dragging my feet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was, no, I, I jumped in, you know, and I opened the doors of my private practice and it just, it took off. I started this Instagram account, you know, this little thing back in 2018 and it has just grown so much and it's grown into an amazing community, um, you know, of, of really of resources and, and relatability, I think too, um, in kind of knowing, you know, you're not alone if you're dealing with any kind of hormonal imbalance and there's answers for you outside of a doctor's office because when we go to the doctors, we're given very little information. If we get our labs drawn, we get our results emailed to us. We get a bunch of numbers and acronyms. Nothing is explained to us. It's very confusing as a woman. And women's bodies are just endlessly fascinating and complex. So my mission is really to help women understand their bodies, understand what's happening hormonally, how that affects our weight, our energy levels, our metabolism, our mood, our digestion, all of these things are impacted by our hormones and helping to really bridge that gap between what's happening there and how can I use that information to apply different tools that can be helpful for me. Wow. wow that is, yeah. That's incredible. First of all, thank you so much for all the work that you are doing because like, number one, it can be just like so difficult to be in a doctor's office and try to explain these super complex like symptoms that we're experiencing and get such limited hard stop on the like limited knowledge and sex ed to begin with. Like you get a period and this goes here and you'll get pregnant is like the extent of sex ed. Like, let's be serious. And then everyone's kind of left just like wondering what happens. And even as you get older, like I'm in my thirties and I'm still like, so (laughs) how does this work? And you're right. We, when we get labs back, you go on there and you're like, okay, but no one's even explaining this to me. So like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what I'm looking at. And I don't even know if my symptoms were addressed. Right. There's a huge gap in healthcare there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, just like for anyone who is not viewing this on YouTube, Corey's holding like most adorable (laughs) guest that's ever been on the podcast. So you guys just like, yeah, (laughs) if you're not watching on YouTube, like you are missing out. (laughs) It's hard to look away. And honestly, I can almost smell Oh, the baby smell. It's, listen, this is all my ovaries are burning. This is what I'm saying. If your ovaries weren't already burning by all of the hormonal talk, like we got a baby, guys. We got a baby. Corey, again, I just want to echo, like, thank you for all of the work that you've done. Because again, I just feel like so many women feel so alone. And on that note, with, you know, with women's health issues, like the constant phrase we're always hearing is like something is common, but not normal. Right. And I'm wondering, you know, you gave a little insight into huge numbers of women with PCOS, which 10% is like an enormous amount. How common are like hormone imbalances and how often do you think that they are like underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed? Gosh, that's a, that's a great question. And it's a hard one because I think the term hormonal imbalance is vague, right? We don't exactly know what that means because 
that could potentially mean somebody has, you know, very little estrogen and that can cause all, a whole range of issues. Maybe they have an estrogen dominance profile. So that can cause a different set of problems. Maybe they have elevated testosterone, which can, which we see often in PCOS. So it's, it's totally hard to say. And I would say, I can say this. It's, it's a lot more common than we think, but also hormones ebb and flow, right? We can go through a season of life where maybe we're, and I see this too, you know, commonly when, when somebody maybe gets a misdiagnosis of PCOS, they have something called hypothalamic amenorrhea. They're exercising really hard. Maybe they're not eating to the capacity that they should be. They're at a lower body weight than they, that they're, than their unique body wants to be at. So we see lower levels of estrogen. Their period stops. This is not the same thing as, you know, anorexia. This is just somebody whose body needs a little bit of tweaking, right? So that's a season. They can go through that and then they can come out on the other side, get their period back. Things are kosher. But it really depends on what's happening hormone-wise and things can change over time. Bodies change. They're so complex. So I would say it's more common than we think. And I, and I will say too, that hormonal issues can cause all kinds of symptoms that we don't always realize for example, if somebody is dealing with hair loss, maybe we think about low iron or low B12 or stress, but that can also be coming from your thyroid. They could be coming from elevated androgens like testosterone or DHEAS or DHT. So a lot of symptoms we may not think about can go back to issues with our hormones that need to be addressed. Yeah. I mean, it's such a complex question. And I think so many women have, you know, such a range of symptoms and some of them will be, you know, newly present and some of them will develop over time. And some of us are like, okay, but what is going on now? So can we talk about like some of the other symptoms that you might see with PCOS? Like what should women be kind of looking for? Yeah. So basically with PCOS, there's two, you have to meet two out of three diagnostic criteria. So the three things are number one, irregular periods. So when we, when I say that, that's not applying to somebody who maybe has a period every 28 days and then maybe next month it's day 30. Maybe the next month it's 29. That variability is normal. What, what I, what I mean when I say irregular periods outside the window of your period coming roughly every 21 to 35 days. So if you're getting a period every 35 and then it switches to 75 days and then maybe 17 days, that variability is very indicative of something like PCOS or you're not having a period at all or you're getting random spotting and random bleeding all the time. So that's, that's number one. Number two, you have symptoms of elevated androgens and that could be facial or body hair growth on women, hair loss on the head, acne, weight gain, or you're diagnosed through lab work, right? We, we get lab work done. We get some blood work done and the doctor sees oh, you know, there's your testosterone is, is too high. So that's number two. And number three are polycystic ovaries. And you have to have a pelvic ultrasound to see that. And it's an easy thing to do and ask for. But polycystic is a kind of a misnomer because PCOS, pain is not a symptom. Okay, we talk about cysts, you know, women have these big baseball sized cysts and they rupture and they cause pain. That's not the same thing as PCOS. Our cysts are really just underdeveloped, immature follicles because we're not ovulating regularly. And the way that I describe it is they're all competing to ovulate and nobody's winning. So you can have 
big cysts that are painful concurrently, but they're not associated with your PCOS. So that's a big misunderstanding in this community. And a, and a lot, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about things on social media, people are very confused for good reason. But if you're meeting two out of three of that criteria, then you can get a PCOS diagnosis. So we oftentimes see insulin resistance um, with PCOS. You obviously have to have lab work that indicates that. You get your A1C or your fasting glucose or insulin checked. And that can show you insulin resistance, but that puts us at a higher risk for, for type 2 diabetes, either now or in the future. There's really no like symptoms per se. It's more like a lab value, but you'll, you'll often get signs that you have that. It's really hard to lose weight. You have crazy carb and sugar cravings. So it's, you know, it's, it's different than diabetes, but it's sometimes, sometimes can be a stepping stone for that. Wow. I, there's just so much, there's so much good information here. And I, there's, I, I just feel like I'm just like, I'm here to learn. I absolutely thought that cysts were, um, I guess this is probably a common thing, but I absolutely thought like the presence of cysts was like a, like a PCOS kind of symptom. Kelsey, did you think that too? Yeah, I definitely did. And just like, okay, if you have frequent cysts, like, should you be tested for PCOS and just kind of like how to be tested for PCOS, which you gave some really good insight on what to even ask for. Because I think, you know, a lot of us, when we go to the doctor and we have presenting symptoms and they kind of leave you with, um, <laughs> my experience is um, they leave you with, a, well, we'll check on something else later. Or if symptoms persist, come back and you're like, no, I'm here. That's why I'm here. Yeah, it took me I waited six here. months for this appointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I'm leaving here with something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But like, you don't know what to ask for. And I think that's really difficult because, you know, I find myself like even just like Googling, like, what should I ask them when I'm there? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what, uh, what tests should I get? Because a lot, I think, uh, you know, myself with a lot of women are just kind of like at a loss of what you'd hope that the doctors kind of guide you on what to what tests to get, but that's, that's certainly mm -hmm. not my experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even just that part of the conversation, which I'm going to listen back to, and probably a lot of people will, will be like, okay, now I ask for this ultrasound. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I can tell you too, exactly what to ask for. If you suspect any kind of hormonal issue at play. So you can ask for what's called a full hormone panel. And that's going to include testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, T. Well, you, I would also ask for a full thyroid panel as well, if you can get that. I would ask for your vitamin D. That's um, commonly low and it can cause all kinds of issues with periods and mood and sleep. I would ask for iron and vitamin B12. And I would ask to get your blood sugar checked out. It's, you know, blood sugar issues are more common than we think. So ask for your A1C and a fasting insulin and or fasting glucose number. And that's what I would get checked out. And, you know, that will give you a lot of insight into if anything's going on hormonally and others, you know, other tests in there too, but that's a good place to start. Corey, where uh, have you been all my life? Really? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like it could be the simple. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And then, well, that's the gap, we, you know, we need to bridge, I think. And our healthcare world is just so nuts. It's so crazy. And it's by no fault of our amazing doctors. You know, it really is just the way that the system is set up and, you know, we're ushered in and we're ushered out in 10 minutes or less. And that's the way it is. So we definitely deserve more as women because our bodies are always changing. They're so complex. And, you know, a lot of times we're totally in the dark about why we're feeling some type of way. So 
That's so true. And and the other thing is like like you said, these different seasons in your life, like trying to get pregnant, postpartum, like menopause, perimenopause, like there are so many changes. And like you could be going along, humming along beautifully with your hormones, and all of a sudden you have a baby and things that have never happened to you before start happening. And and yeah. there really is just very little education there as far as like, Hey, this is what to expect or. Yes. Yes. So yeah, that, that's just such a great list of like, here's a baseline like to give so that these are the things I want checked. And that can kind of go across the board, whether or not you're having problems in your, in your fifties or in your twenties, because that is like the place to start. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we spend our whole lives trying to avoid pregnancy. And then when the time comes that we want to achieve it, we're totally at a loss as to what the hell we need to do. And then once we have the baby, we're again at a loss as to how to get back to where we were. And it just, and then once we start perimenopause and menopause, we have zero education on that. So it's so nice that that I see on social media, you know, things happening in that area. You know, of course, there's a lot of stuff on there that's incorrect. And that's really frustrating as a healthcare provider to see, but there are wonderful, you know, healthcare providers giving great free education out there on these different seasons of life that we should all learn about because we're all eventually going to, most of us going to get, going to go through them. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. so great. I want to zero in a little bit on weight management, fitness, and PCOS because we speak to a lot of women and it doesn't have to be PCOS, but we do hear from a lot of women that they are gaining weight at, at rates that they've never seen before without changing anything, that their fitness is really suffering, their energy levels are suffering. And I think that a lot of people do not, maybe now a little bit more, but it previously have not looked at hormones as sort of a culprit. And I just want to talk about, you know, specific struggles regarding weight management and fitness and some of these hormone imbalances. Sure. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with PCOS because that's obviously my specialty and that's where we see a lot, a lot of weight issues. So the connection there, it all has to do with insulin and blood sugar. Now there also is a cortisol adrenal component, which I'll touch on second. So first this insulin resistance piece that makes our body want to hold on to weight. And it's really hard to, um, to maintain a weight loss. So the other part with the adrenals is that when a lot of women with PCOS have elevated cortisol, cortisol is our stress hormone. And basically we have this exaggerated response to stressors that somebody else without PCOS might be able to say, all right, well, that's done. And you know, our body is like, like we're total drama queens. We're overreacting and we're putting all of our hormones on overdrive. Cortisol again, makes our body want to hold on to weight and not let it go. So you really want to, if you have PCOS, really drill down on blood sugar balance. Of course, exercise can be helpful there, but nutrition and diet is first and foremost, right? We have to take a look at what's on our plate and we have to understand how to set up our meals and our snacks to be supportive of healthy blood sugars, even if 
we don't have this classically insulin resistant type of PCOS, blood sugar balance, and I'll say this too, is important for every woman because it's so tied to how our hormones are behaving and what our weight is doing. So fix your diet first and foremost, or at least I shouldn't say fix, optimize your diet uh, for success there. And then take a look at your stress. Your adrenals are often on overdrive. So make sure you're implementing some really, really, really strong, you know, self-care routines, stress management tactics. That's so much easier said than done, but it is really important. So definitely um, the other piece to PCOS and weight is elevated androgens can also make weight gain just easier to accomplish. So make sure you are, if you have elevated testosterone or any of the androgens, you're working to bring those levels down. Just by working on blood sugar balance, you can help bring those levels down, but there's other things that can be supportive. You can do like a different supplements can be helpful to encourage lower androgen levels. My supplement line, I make one and it's my top seller. It's an amazing one and it can help to encourage lower androgen production. That's going to be helpful and supportive for the weight piece too. So that's kind of, you know, with PCOS there. As far as other hormones besides the androgens and the insulin, estrogen can sometimes be a, a culprit too. We've got elevated estrogen levels when we're supposed to have this more kind of balance between progesterone and estrogen. We can sort of be in this state of estrogen dominance. We store estrogen in our adipose, adipose tissue. So we do see that if someone is working on weight loss, um, it's kind of like what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Are we going to bring the estrogen down and lose weight or are we going to lose weight and the estrogen is going to come down? It's really tricky and we don't really understand that, but working on weight management can help with higher estrogen levels and also working to balance estrogen can support healthy weight loss. So you can take a look and see what your estrogen is doing. The other one is your thyroid. Your thyroid is, has a huge tie to your metabolism. So if you have a, if you have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's thyroiditis, you're going to potentially have weight loss be something that's more difficult to accomplish. So um, I don't specialize in the thyroid by any means, um, but I do know that there are lots of great medications to take to help support your thyroid. And there's also some dietary and lifestyle things that you can do to support healthy thyroid hormones. So those are some top ones. There was a lot of information there. I am <laughs> drinking it all in. I'm sure like many people, there was something you said in there about your blood sugar levels and also stress levels and managing those too. And I think that's, you know, it's something that is really important to zone in on because a lot of times throughout our day, we are, as we increase our stress levels, we are also at the same time more likely to go like hours without eating and then get, you know, really low blood sugar. Then maybe we have a spike. So they kind of, it's one of those things that's a, you know, a lifestyle thing that can go hand in hand. And it's very interesting and almost encouraging to hear that those can be a major impact. And a lot of times, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, those go hand in hand for me. The more stressed I get, the more I feel like I am definitely having my cortisol levels being spiked, the more stressed I get. And then I'm just not eating and then I'm like dizzy. And then I'm probably having um, a major blood sugar spike. So yes. it's one of those things that's really important to kind of think about and maybe adjust in your day and put some pieces in place that we can kind of try and manage those at the same time. Absolutely. Yes. Stress is huge. And we just live in this like busy, fast paced lifestyle. It's like hustle culture. It's like cool to be stressed out all the time. It's not cool. And your hormones don't love it. Your boss might love it, but your hormones don't. So 
take an honest, transparent look at what your stress levels are are looking like and and prioritize that because that can make or break, you know, what's going on with whatever weight loss or fitness goals that you have or hormone balance, you know, whatever you're working on. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's one of those hard ones because it's like, we know we are in control of that. That's it's empowering and also frustrating because you're like, okay, I have complete control over that. And it can have a significant impact on how I'm feeling. Sleep goes along with stress as well. So there's, there's a lot there because like taking an honest look at what you're doing to impact how you're feeling is, is just really an individual one. So I want to continue on that nutrition train and how, you know, nutrition impacts our hormone imbalances. And if you have any advice for women who might have an imbalance, how can we be eating different? How can we be nourishing our bodies a little bit different and using it more as a tactic to get our hormones back into harmony? Yeah, great question. So when it comes to nutrition for hormone health, I would say, again, always going back to blood sugar balance. It's not like the world's least sexy subject, but I'm I'm trying to bring it, trying to bring sexy back. So it is so important to focus on this. And what that means when I say blood sugar balance is really prioritizing protein, fat, and fiber, not cutting out carbs. Okay. We need carbs. Carbs are still necessary. We're not going, you know, into ketosis by any means, but we're, we're paying attention to how many carb servings we're having throughout the day. And we're trying to be smarter about how and when we're eating them. So for example, you know, if you think about, if we go out to dinner, say we go to an Italian restaurant, we sit down, we get, you know, they serve us some garlic bread at the table. We get pizza or pasta dish. You know, maybe we get the pasta primavera and maybe it has like three block broccoli florets in it. Okay. So mostly pasta. Um, we have wine, we have dessert, whatever. So it's like carb, 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 carb. And at the end of the day, we don't even think about how many carb servings that we've really had. So trying to minimize that a little bit is going to be supportive of blood sugar balance. So if you were looking at your plate, you want half that plate to be low starch vegetables. And that could be, they could be prepped any way that, that you want. They can be roasted, steamed, sauteed, fr- you know, what, however you want to have them grilled. But half that plate, that gives you a lot of fiber. It gives you antioxidants and anti-inflammatories. So then you want to have a quarter of that plate protein because that protein is essential. We need that. And that's going to help stabilize your blood sugar. And then we're going to have one carb serving. So, you know, that could be half a cup of, I don't know, corn and peas or whole grain pasta or something like that. So it's going to be a smaller portion on your plate. So I always, you know, when I talk to clients or program members, you know, we talk about, well, how do I, how do I eat for my hormones? But I eat in a household where, you know, maybe my husband doesn't eat like that or my kids don't eat like that. Of course, that's no one wants to be cooking like three dinners. Like ain't nobody got time. So how I, what I recommend is say you guys are having spaghetti and meatball night. Okay. So you're doing pasta night and you've got some broccoli there too. Your husband or your partner, whatever, might set up their plate to be a big plate of pasta with some sauce, a bunch of meatballs, a little bit of broccoli. Maybe your kid's going to do a bunch of pasta with sauce and like that's it. And that's what they're going to eat. You are going to have a big plate of broccoli, a little bit of pasta and sauce and some meatballs. So you don't have to eat all different foods. You don't have to go eat these magical superfoods that it costs like an arm and a leg because groceries are insane right now anyway. So don't think of it like that. Just set up your plate in different proportions than maybe the person you're eating with who doesn't have a hormonal issue that they're working on. So I'm trying, you know, my goal is to simplify it and make it doable. And, you know, this is something that you can do if you do, you know, put in a little bit of thought um, into how to set up your plate. You can totally do this in a way that's sustainable. 
So that would be something that I would recommend is, you know, take a look at how you're, how, how often you're eating carbs and pare that down a little bit. Try not to eat naked carbs. And what I mean when I say that is if you're going to do like a banana for a snack or a piece of toast or like a bagel in the morning for breakfast, add something to that, add some protein to that, because that will help to balance out that blood sugar spike from that carb and try to pick the complex carb, which means it has some fiber. So that's the difference between white rice and brown rice. Not saying you can never choose white rice. You totally can. But if you're doing rice all the time or a lot of the time, you know, try to do that complex, that brown rice to get that fiber in as often as you can to, to kind of negate that blood sugar spike. And that's going to keep blood sugar steady eddy. I do recommend eating regular meals, regular as, you know, regular as you can. So what I see a lot of the times in clients is they eat a huge dinner. Um, they don't wake up hungry because they've had a huge dinner and their body's still processing all of that. And then they skip breakfast. They have a bunch of coffee. They go all the way to lunch. They have a little snack because they're busy. Again, the big dinner and their blood sugar is like tanking and then it's bumping up super high and then it's tanking again. We want to keep that line steady eddy. So try to have a small protein fiber rich breakfast. You can do a protein rich snack in between if you're hungry smaller lunch, smaller dinner, and get those snacks in because that's going to keep blood sugar up as long as those snacks have some protein. And of course, not every snack will be perfect. That's totally fine. But the majority of the time, if we can aim for that, that's going to to set your hormones up to be to feel safe, to feel like they're happy and safe enough to flow at the right times at the right amounts. Oh, I Rachel, did you I hear love, that? I'm here for it. I, I literally, okay, I know. Kelsey, I'm listening. Okay, I know. I need to work on that. But here's, here's just what I love. I just, first of all, I just want to say hats off to you and all of the healthcare I'm professionals right now. No, never do because, girl, it's perfect. Girl. <laughs> so good. But, like, really, the people who are out there, simplifying the fact that these things can be done simply by, you don't have to have this special diet where like you're eating different than all of the people around you, that it can be done in just setting up your plate a little different. And the idea that, no, if you love a bagel for breakfast every day, no, you don't have to cut it out. You don't have to change your whole entire life and be sad every morning missing your bagel. Just is hard add. <laughs> Eat the bagel. Yeah, but it, it's, it's really about the ways that you can add and not about the things that you're taking away or missing. And when you present it to people in that form, it's just so much more hopeful and it's just so much more doable. And, and you're setting people up for success. Whereas I think that previously it was just about all of the things that you needed to take away. And that is just never exciting. No. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's a, you know, a big Instagram account about cutting out gluten and dairy, and we just don't have the research to back that up. And the truth is the more you take things out and restrict the less doable, this, this diet, whatever you want to call it, it's not really a diet, but this pattern of eating becomes, and we have hormones our whole lives, right. In, in varying capacities. So PCOS is a lifelong chronic condition. There's no cure. So this is not, you know, an infection that we take a round of antibiotics for after a week. It's something that we have to continuously manage. So let's find a way to eat that is sustainable. That feels good that we don't have to say, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I've watched friends do that. I've been there, you know, a long time ago and it's so, it's sad <laughs> at the end of the day and it's only doable for so long. And then you feel like a failure when you don't 
adhere to it and you become this kind of like hop on the wagon, hop off. And it's just a vicious cycle. And it's not a healthy way to view nutrition. It's not a healthy way to view food in your life and your body. So yeah, I'm glad you said that. Oh man, I'm just, I'm really here for the talk about consistency and the power of consistency over going hard for two weeks and then falling off. And that, like the power of consistency is just something that I really think that a lot of people are, are getting on board with. And I, I, I think that's the road to success. And I wanted to piggyback on your, on your discussion with regards to a lot of the diets that are being pushed. Now, we know that a, lo a lot of times hormone issues come with weight gain or difficulty with weight management. So the knee-jerk reaction is often to go on a diet. And some of the diets that are out there, intermittent fasting came to mind right away when you said like consistent meals to like keep your blood sugar in, in a good form. Obviously, you mentioned uh, carbs and obviously keto came to mind. Some of these diets that are the go-to for a lot of women who are struggling with their weight, can you speak to how these may be further hurting the hormonal issues that maybe got them there in the first place? Yeah. So it's interesting. I always, I come from a clinical background. I always go back to the science. What does the science say, right? What is the research demonstrating is most effective here? And when we look at something like keto or intermittent fasting, we do. Okay. So we'll all start with keto. We do have research that true ketosis, which is actually really hard to accomplish and stay in. If, some, if women are in true ketosis, we have seen that helpful. And I'm just talking about PCOS. We have seen it helpful for PCOS. The problem with the studies that we've done and the problem this translates into real life is that the majority of the women in the study drop out after a few weeks because it's so hard. And that's, that's the thing about this diet is because it, the reason why I don't recommend it is because it's so hard to carry out long-term. And then we, again, we get into that cycle of, I'm really rigid about something. Oh, I fell off. Oh, I feel so guilty. I'm such a failure. Oh, I'm going to get back on. I fell off again. I'm such a failure. I'm a loser. I suck. Oh, I'm going to get back on. I see this all the time and it's a mental, it, it takes a toll mentally. And no, that's nobody wants to be there. We want to feel confident and like the choices that we're making are sustainable. And again, we have PCOS for life. We have our hormones for life in varying capacities. So we need to find something that's going to work for us long-term. So it's not that true ketosis doesn't work. It's just, it's, I would say nearly impossible to continue to do long-term. Intermittent fasting, the studies that we have that show intermittent fasting is helpful for weight, the majority are done on men. Women are not small men. We have very different bodies, very different sex hormones. So I don't ever go back to the research on intermittent fasting there for that very reason, because I'm not even going to start there. Intermittent fasting is also can be, and I know there's different kinds, but it's very difficult to carry out as well. I mean, who wants to be like, oh, sorry, I can't celebrate, you know, my birthday dinner. I'm, I'm not in my eating window. That's just so restrictive. And we get into that same cycle of, oh, I fell off. Oh, I'm back on. I fell off. I'm back on. And that's just, it, it's not healthy from a mental health standpoint. And it's not healthy for your body and your hormones want to feel safe. You know, I mentioned that earlier. What I mean when I say that is um, if you think about stress, extreme stress, chronic stress, back in the day, right? If we were running from our ancestors were running from a saber-toothed tiger, right? And we've got all, you know, we're, we're running for our lives. 
our sex hormones are not going to say, Ooh, now's the time to make a baby. We're, we actually, our bodies have this function, which is amazing, but also can be frustrating that shuts down our reproductive function when we are stressed out. So, and the reason why is because it's, it's protective from a biological physiological standpoint, right? But now in our modern day and age, we can still have that shut down if we're too stressed, maybe we're under fueling and over exercising or may or over training. Maybe we are just overly stressed because of XYZ going on. Maybe we're grieving. I don't know. Uh, or we've had trauma, but that same function can come into play and our hormones are affected by that. So if you keep stressing your body out with these rigid diets and you're hopping on and off the diet train, it's stressful on the body and your hormones are, are going to be much less happy with you than if you just chose something that wasn't as extreme, that wasn't as sexy and as trendy, but you stuck with it consistently. Your body is going to be in a much, much, much better place. And I've seen that play out so many times. Yeah, that's, that's some great advice. You, you touched on it a little bit there, but I did want to talk about training a little bit. We've kind of like dipped our toe in the water throughout this conversation, but I do want to talk about it for women who have PCOS. You know, do you suggest they adjust their types of training? Is there an ideal type of training which we lean into and what should we kind of stay away from, if any? Yeah. So it's just like nutrition. There's no one exercise that's bad for PCOS. It's my recommendation. What I kind of teach is to, to have a variety. So strength training along with some cardio, along with what I call restorative workouts that can be really healing for the adrenals. So that could look like yoga, walking, like a gentle hike, gentle Pilates, slow biking, a good mix of that from my experience brings the best results PCOS wise. So that's, that's pretty much the, what I stick to. It's not that you have to completely avoid X, Y, Z. You know, if you really love CrossFit, don't do it seven days a week for eight hours. No, I don't know who, who could, would, but <laughs> that's a lot of CrossFit. That's a lot of, cross, it's a lot of box there. Um, so don't pick something and just do it all the time because that's, that can be stressful, but pick something that you like to do and do it a few times a week. You know, it's just like food. There's nothing. You don't have to go crazy extreme and take things out completely. And you don't have to add any one thing in. I just like to see a mix of those three, those three types. That's fantastic mm -hmm. advice. I think mm -hmm. that that's, I've got a tough one and I know that you cannot speak to every case, but so many of the women that we have spoke to are feeling very hopeless with PCOS, with endo, with, with so many of the hormonal issues, like you said, that people are living with, that there isn't a round of antibiotics that they can, you know, hope to feel better in a week. Is there hope for women to feel like themselves again? That's often the phrase that we hear that I really would just like to feel like myself again. Is there a track nutritionally and to get your body to a place where you can kind of feel like yourself? Definitely. Definitely. And I've been there. I, my gosh, I've been there. I mean, in college, I was probably almost 50 pounds heavier than I am now before I understood what PCOS was and how to work on my hormones. So absolutely you can, but I will say it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I think in our day and age, we want to Amazon prime our, our healing. We want to Amazon prime our weight loss and it's just not that way. So if you're patient with yourself and you have realistic expectations that this process 
it's an ongoing, it's going to be an ongoing journey. And if you lower that, that expectation, lower the bar a little bit as far as the timeline goes and be patient with your body, absolutely you can. And it's going to take some work. There's not one medication for PCOS. There's not a PCOS pill, right? There's not one PCOS supplement. It, it really depends, or I will say hormone balance too. You see these, you know, supplement hormone balance blends, but it's like, well, everyone has a different issue. So <laughs> what are we really targeting here? So there's not one thing that's going to be helpful. It's going to be kind of a culmination of things and get your labs done, get, see where you are hormone wise first, go from there, work on your diet, exercise a little bit, add in some movement, add in some stress reduction, whatever self-care routine you want to do. And you can see changes happen in, you know, as little as a few weeks, but it could take a few months. Every body is different. And there are tons of supplements and or medications you can take that are out there for you that can be more specific to your needs. And that lab work can help you understand what those are. But it's a process. And PCOS too, you know, and or any kind of hormonal issue potentially depends on what it is. But it's not like we we work on our PCOS and then we're cured. We're good. We're like it's not like I'm walking around like I'm everything's perfect. No, no, it's a it's a process. And if I stopped doing all the things that are supportive of my PCOS, what would, what would come back? All of my PCOS symptoms. So it's something that we have to continually work on. But I will say, just like with everything, the, easy, the, the longer that you do it, the easier that it gets because the better you understand your body and what it needs. So any symptom that you have, that's your body communicating with you. It's trying to tell you something. So listen to it. Your body is your best barometer. Listen to it and try to understand what's happening and take those active steps to get there and be patient and it'll take time, but you can absolutely get there again. You can. Thank you, Corey. That was a great answer that just filled me with hope. So I think a lot of women listening will feel that as well, because some of us just want to feel like ourselves again. <laughs> we just want to feel like we are in with our own bodies and that we are feeling like we want to feel and, and can go about our lives the way that we would like to. And with some adjustments, it can be like that, but it definitely, this whole conversation has definitely filled me with hope because you gave some like actionable steps and some changes that, you know, a lot of people could implement, you know, right now today to just kind of start to feel better again and just start to evaluate, you know, what could be causing us to feel some type of way. What, what could be, how are your stress levels? Like what, how are you feeling on a daily basis? And that is just a tremendous amount of hope. So thank you so much. And I want to let our listeners know where they can hear more from you. Totally. So I'm most active on my Instagram account, which is at the women's dietitian. So I post there all the time and I post a lot of juicy little tidbits on hormones and PCOS and uh, all kinds of stuff, weight loss, fertility, um, those are kind of the two areas that I, I work in. So you can find me there. My website's the same, www.womensdietitian.com. And my TikTok handle is the same. I have a supplement line called Vita PCOS, which is for women with PCOS. That's uh, really wonderful and has done so well in the last year, helping women with some of their symptoms. So definitely check that out too. And I run two PCOS programs, one focused on fertility and the other on 
and there's a weight loss component. Um, and then the other one is strictly PCOS weight loss and symptom management. So definitely check those out. I run those a few times a year if you are looking for some further guidance from me. You are such a rock star. Dude, she's <laughs> out there doing the good work. I mean, I mean you know, someone's got to do it. <laughs> you are no, doing I love it what eloquently. I, do. I love what I do. <laughs> and with a good hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, get and a baby in hand. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, talk about hor- I, hormones. You know, it, I'm uh, almost four months postpartum, and my postpartum hair loss is like raging. So I'm like, you know what? We're gonna have it like almost every day until it's done. So <laughs> hormones are so powerful. They're so strong, but you know, we do the best we can. <laughs> yeah, but they're in seasons. Yeah. It's so exactly. Wild. You know what? Thank you for women thank are you. crazy. <laughs> Right, I know. Oh, Corey, well, thank you so, so, so much for coming on. I can't wait for everyone to hear this. And guys, definitely check her out. Check out all of her her sites, all of her social media. We will share them in the show notes. You can kind of just easily get to her if you want to hear more about her. But thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. If you'd like to join our movement, get in our free app, CVG Nation, available in your app store. We have an amazing community of women, coaches to help you with your movements, challenges, and we give away leggings daily in there. Rachel and I are in there every day, so it's a perfect place to get in touch with us. This podcast is made possible by Constantly Varied Gear, so be sure to check out ConstantlyVariedGear.com. Have an amazing week. Crush your goals.